Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph, and today I am answering more Acolyte questions. Acolytes are members, paid members of the CSJ community. They are one level above the journeyman membership level, and with their uh, membership, they get a video response from questions that they get to ask me uh, every month, and then I share them with the rest of you folks on the podcast, also on YouTube or anywhere else that we post content for the CSJ community. So pretty awesome. Uh, happy to answer all of your guys' burning questions. If you want to get in on that, csjoseph.life forward slash members. Or if you're already a member, go to csjoseph.life forward slash portal and then click on the Acolyte membership uh, area and that will take you to the page where you can get started. That being said, let's move on specifically to the question. Hi, it's your favorite INFJ Acolyte member. I skipped last month's question because I didn't have any one particular question, but now I do. I have read Sex at Dawn with much pleasure for the women's group. I've also been watching your new season on YouTube about sexuality. Based on these sources, I have observed that there is a significant gap between what is written in this book and what you say is the truth, yet you do mention this book as your source material. What I'm referring to is that Sex at Dawn strongly concludes that all humans are made to be polyamorous, while you say that polygamy is the most logical thing for all. Women is monogamous, man, uh, while a man has more than one wife, and you also emphasize the importance of uh, paternal certainty, while this book is strongly making a point against this. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, of course, it's all good if you disagree with the book on that, but now uh, that I would really like is to understand the logical steps that led you to this conclusion to bridge the gap between the book and what you have concluded. I don't even mind if you are not sure. But I believe that as the TI parent that you are, you must have a thought process behind it. I'm very curious to understand it. Sorry, no question mark, but I think it will work nonetheless. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking the time to help me learn. All right, sure. I could definitely answer this uh, question without a question mark. First things first, when I read books, uh, I, as an ENTP, LOL, as an ENTP, um, have this thing. It's called, it's something that uh, good old uh, ISFJ Robert Potts uh, taught me, but it's called the uh, method actor of process or the method actor of systems. So basically, whenever I read books or ingest knowledge of any kinds or watch videos, anything educational where I'm being educated or even educational experiences, and it's something completely new to me, what I do is I try it on like a suit or a second skin of some kind, right? And it actually becomes a part of me. But then after a while, uh, after wearing the skin, because I'm an NTP and I like to experiment and I experiment literally everything, because that's what NTPs do. We are the big explorers, the big experimenters. Uh, I will start to parse away or cut away aspects of the skin that aren't even useful. So you could say that every single book, there's a percentage of the book that I maintain is 100% true versus completely untrue uh, or useful or not useful. And Sex at Dawn as a book is no different. It's literally no different. Um, so uh, just like how, you know, I would say, you know, the manual by W. Anton probably I don't know, 60 to 70% of that book is super useful, or the rational male, probably about 75 to 80% of the book is useful if you can get past some of his anti-ENFP women biases. Uh, but sure, you know, um, or Dear Lover, where maybe 
10% of that book is useful to me, but it might be a lot more useful to other people of other types because it's actually made for philosopher women, right? Or The Way of the Superior Man, which probably may only benefit me 25% of those words. But again, if you're an INFJ man, that would severely benefit you because the author is an INFJ. And he's assuming all men are like him because that's what people do when they write books. They just assume that everyone else is like them and... It's really frustrating, and, and I hate that. I hate that about books. Um, maybe in the future, I will start typing authors so that you all can see uh, you know, how their biases and whatnot can be beneficial and a problem. A problem as if like, if your types that are not compatible or have high com camaraderie with them, don't read those books. But if you do have high camaraderie or if you are compatible with them, definitely read the book because you're likely to get more benefit from it. Again, Sex at Dawn is no different. And with me being a method actor of process or a method actor of systems, I maintain that uh, it's no different than any other book. Some of the aspects I, I maintain are true and some of them are not. The argument that all humans are made to be polyamorous from a natural standpoint, I agree with that premise. I, I agree with that uh, with Sex at Dawn very much so. Um, but while you say that polygamy is the most logical thing for all, women being anonymous and man has more than one wife, uh, and this is due to emphasis on the importance of paternal certainty. Yes, I, I also agree with that as well. And I do maintain that ultimately in the long run, uh, polygamy is going to end up being it, it, like it's going to be it's coming back. Basically, it's going to be really common, but not in the way that most people think. I maintain that polygamy is actually going to be available to alpha males and polyamory is actually what's going to be available to beta males. And this is uh, beta males are people who are men who still have high masculine idealism. They put tribe above self, whereas alpha males, they put self above tribe, basically, uh, from that standpoint. Those, that's the difference. It's like the main distance, difference in masculinity. If you want to learn more about that, why? Watch the season 31 playlist here on this YouTube channel, which like I really hope that playlist actually exists and I will send a message literally while I'm recording this to find out, uh, hey there, uh, are the season 31 episodes in a playlist on YouTube question mark? So uh, that, that, that will get done, I, I promise, if that's not the case of where it is now. Um, but uh, just go to like my live streams, my recent live streams, and uh, the ones that have more clickbaity-ish titles, those are basically season 31, starting with the most masculine or feminine types, etc. my arguments to current. I think I got like six or seven episodes, and I may actually even start filming episode seven or eight immediately following this recording, provided, you know, my, my baby uh, who's sleeping right there um, doesn't wake up. Hopefully he doesn't wake up now. But uh, the point is, um, uh, working on that, um, working on that. But please watch uh, season 31 as I explain that a little bit more. Now, uh, now, why, why, is, why is it? Well, um, Rollo Tomasi in the Red Pill books, also known as the Rational Male Volumes 1 through 4, talks about a concept uh, known as open hypergamy. And then eventually open cuckoldry will become the norm. Open hypergamy is a thing. You need to know what hypergamy is. Hypergamy is the dualistic, pluralistic sexual strategy of women. So at certain phases of their life, they want 
alpha seed, whereas other phases of life, they want beta need. This is why women in their party years with their highest fertility from 20 to 25, they're prioritizing getting the alpha seed inside of themselves, which ultimately leads to them having babies and because it's the strongest baby, etc. And then they start valuing, uh, you know, um, parentage, uh, provisioning, uh, security, money, those types of things a little bit later in life. So then the beta males get a chance at them, etc. Even though the beta males from 20 to 25 don't get to attract women their own age whatsoever. And only the most alpha, which is the top 20% of men actually get to attract and have sexual relationships with women at their highest uh, peak fertility. Otherwise, women in general end up having sexual relationships with much older men as, as they should technically. To the point where men who are about 36, 37 will all of a sudden realize that for the first time in their life, they actually can attract 20 to 25 year olds you know the women out there accuse them oh you're just trying to relive your party years and when reality is no they're just projecting all of the alpha men that those women used to screw during their party years against those men uh, uh, who are in their late 30s who are technically in their prime it's kind of interesting how women lack the self-awareness to be aware of that phenomenon but then again, everyone lacks self-awareness about themselves, especially when it comes to their own type. And that's why they have to rely on a third party or a test to actually help them because they have no clue because their internal voice is not the same as the external voice. And yet people are judged by the external voice. That's why we have to use the extroverted in order to determine what exactly is the introverted and not the other way around. Uh, to do so would technically actually be a form of arrogance and ultimately hypocrisy. That being said, uh, so... Polyamorous, uh, polyamory is definitely the standard of beta males. And I maintain, in fact, even Tomasi has said this recently on his podcast, that if you engage in polyamory as a man, you are not alpha. You are a beta male. You are putting tribe of self. And uh, you have to understand that Sex at Dawn was written by an, uh, an affiliative author. Uh, both, both of the authors, uh, Christopher Ryan and Cecilia Jatha, are both uh, affiliative. And uh, affiliative people are constantly put in tribe above self, regardless of gender. It's just some neutral thing that they do uh, consistently. Because the affiliative represents this thing where, uh, you know, it's just a buffer against natural selection, basically. And natural selection is supposed to be coming as a result of women choosing who gets to enter inside of them and input their seed inside of them, basically. Women are making that choice. They are the... Uh, arbiters of natural selection. The problem is, is that polyamory, you know, gives sexual access to lower quality men uh, consistently, and ultimately lower quality women, which I don't, I don't agree with. I think the mature feminine needs to be working hard to keep women as expensive as possible. Uh, that way, because the most expensive woman out there is a beautiful, healthy, humble virgin. That is the absolute most expensive woman out there. That is a woman who will get the absolute best man that exists. Uh, that's just reality. If you, if you folks don't like, like, she, she's young. She's, she's um, 18 to 25, you know, so, uh, yeah, 18 to 25 in that range. Uh, and, uh, and a virgin and, uh, you know, on average 20% body fat, etc. knows how to take care of herself, very humble, very deferential, very respectful 
a woman and has been uh, trained in maintaining her utility such that she's at least open to being a mother and able to be a mother if she wants to be. Again, hashtag if she wants to be, etc. But that's that's only like, like what the ideal woman is. It's the highest quality woman and the mature feminine should be going out of its way to support women into becoming the ideal woman. That's not to say all women have to be mothers. That's not to say that, you know, some women want to don't want to be a mother and that's fine. You don't have to just as long as you're willing to accept the consequences that comes with you not being a mother, because there's a lot of people, a lot of women out there, especially INTJ women out there uh, um, who, you know, say for like the majority of their life uh, up until they're like 35, 40 years old, that they don't want to be mother and all of a sudden they want to be mother. And it's like, sorry, Charlie, but you wasted your time. You probably should have thought about that sooner. And then they live an unfulfilled life and they just become this childless spinster later in life. And it's most likely INTJ women who are going to suffer that. ENTJ women are second most likely uh, to suffer that problem. So be aware of that. <laughs> STP women, while they're super masculine, don't really have that risk as much because guess what? Their golden pairs are affiliative. So they're more willing to get sucked into affiliative things because of that. Whereas NTJ women, especially INTJs, they're triple pragmatic. So they're more likely to end up screwing that up for themselves and not having an unfulfilled life and being that cat mom and dog mom spinster that's 40 who's childless and who has absolutely no prospects and it's basically over. Reminds me of an INTJ ex-girlfriend I had. I wonder how she's doing. Actually, I don't. Uh, so the point is... Uh, Polyamory is basically more a beta male trait and coming to understand that aspect when it comes to some of the arguments that sex is Dawn is making, uh, it, it literally is not helping the problem. Now, polygamy, however, and polygamy basically is a one-to-many relationship between a man, a very high-value man with, uh, with you know, higher-value women, basically. Uh, they, and this is, so if you're gonna read Sex at Dawn, you wanna read the book, The Red Tent, to go with it, basically, so you can kind of understand the other side of it. But uh, polygamy, basically, is kind of how the direction is going now, because statistically, the top 20% of men, even the top 10% of men, are banging 80% of the girls right now. So 80% of the women out there are all being screwed by the same 20% men out there. And this is just a precursor to the polygamous uh, way society is going to be within the next 10, 15 years. Because as open hypergamy turns into open cuckoldry, open cuckoldry, aka polyamory, is going to be systemic, uh, endemic across the entire West, all of Western society, basically. Uh, and potentially even at Eastern society. I'm just not an expert on Eastern society so much, but um, with Western society, it's definitely a thing. And uh, all the beta men, because they want to have sexual access, they're going to have to, you know, be polyamorous basically in order to participate. But they're being constantly cuckolded, which is not good, which is the same thing that Adam did uh, in the garden. Adam allowed himself to get cucked. And uh, that's ultimately why he was punished with the male burden of performance. Cursed is the ground because of you, and by the sweat of your brow, you will eat of it for the rest of your life, and then you will die, okay? That is the curse given upon men. It's also known as the male burden of performance. That's why they have to perform at all times. Although the way Tomasi says it within his books, he's being very se inferior about that, and that's one of his biases. So what he considers performance is not necessarily what I would consider the male burden of performance. His definition is incomplete. My definition is more complete than his. Uh, so just take that with a grain of salt and please understand that uh, differentiation. Um, so now um, 
high value men will not, uh, and this is a trait amongst alpha men, alpha men will not raise other men's children. That's, that, that's a fact. They will not raise other men's children. They will only raise their own children, their own legacy, because they are putting self above tribe. They are the son of their solar system, the center of their solar system, and everyone orbits around him. And if someone stops orbiting properly, he will get in their face or remove them or replace them because a high value man does not chase a woman. He replaces them, basically. And a high value man will always exercise his sexual options. Always. Definitely. Um... So uh, keep that in mind. You know, the lower value man, uh, you know, then he'll just have to participate in the upcoming open cuckoldry, polyamorous society that's around the corner. But while everyone is ultimately open to poly from that standpoint, uh, then uh, the, the, the precious few super high value men, top 20%, top 15%, top 10% of men will be polygamous and they will just have multiple wives. And it'll be a similar system that you see explained in the book, The Red Tent. Um, which is also recommended reading for the women's group. And that's that's ultimately our future. Don't disagree with me. Well, if you disagree with me, that's fine. You can disagree with me and go be ignorant and go like live under a rock. But the reality situation is this is where society is going. Uh, especially uh, if you read books like The Ethical Slut, um, that book literally proves my point, as well as all of Tomasi's books. Even though you have hyper-feminist ideals within the ethical slut and those two writers uh, compared to the hyper-red pill opposite side of the spectrum of Roald Tomasi and Roycey and Roosh, even though Roosh became a Christian recently and just unpublished all of his stuff because he thought it was sin. And for some reason, that guy needs to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 37, which basically says that uh, his belief system, which is the traditional church way of doing because he's an affiliate of INFJ, and he's allowing social norms to determine his own thinking because he can't think for himself for some crazy reason. I don't know, Roosh. Like, get your head out of your ass. That's not how it works. I don't care how Christian you claim to be. Like, seriously, you've done a lot more harm uh, than good based on those recent decisions of yours. So I, I suggest you kind of, like, grow up and realize that you're affiliative and you're harming other people through your affiliative behavior, okay? Not to say that pragmatic can't harm other people because if you want to see how bad pragmatic can get, just watch Gangs of New York. And there you go. That's, that's how bad pragmatic can get. Uh, so anyway, but yes, uh, I get that Sex at Dawn is not pro-polygamy. I get it. But uh, Sex at Dawn is also biased from its point of view with, uh, you know, how it's handling polyamory and its affiliative writers. And that's just, that's just how the sausage is made uh, with authors and books. You have to be, sometimes you have to be like an ENTP and read all of the books, all of them, and not be focused on one thing and not be all TE trickster and actually get to the point where you're able to parse the information and to, you know, ultimately filter out what is significant versus what is not. And guess what? TI parent can, you know, it's kind of interesting because like I'm an FI trickster, but you know, the thing is, is like, you can talk to an ENFP about that. that. That'd be interesting. I'm sure Chris Daly would have an interesting opinion to share about that. But also, furthermore, if you were to talk to Robert Potts about that as well, his TI child would definitely weigh on things and give his very concrete point of view, even though he is affiliative. But it's not very abstract like Christopher Ryan. You see what I'm saying? So anyway, 
these are some of the reasons why that I've come to my conclusions. I still have the women's group read Sex at Dawn to show them the beta side of their hypergamy and the direction that society is going from the beta side. But then I have them read the red tent to kind of see what the alpha side is going back to. Because back in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, guess what? The beta polyamory versus the alpha polygamy, that was the social norm then. And we're returning to those social norms now. We kind of have to. Why? Well, because in order for our race to continue, it's really hard to raise children nowadays. This is why most people don't want children because children are extremely time consuming because it's only you and one other person or maybe just you raising a child if you're a single parent, which is hard. They also cost a lot of money, which people don't have. It already, because of the value of the US dollar or any fiat currency on the planet, it's so far reduced at least the greenback, the dollar has lost a thousand percent of its value or more since its inception in the early 1900s, which it now requires 2.5 adult incomes to actually basically pay for a family or to run a family. Polyamory and polygamy is going to be an absolute necessary, a necessity. Society will have to do it in order to survive or even to continue because then you're going to have multiple adults underneath one roof with multiple incomes. And then you have many hands making light work. Think of all of the breastfeeding options, multiple people doing breastfeeding. People realize that breastfeeding makes them healthier, for example, and they have full control over their fat loss and their beauty and everything based on them breastfeeding. And they'll breastfeed a long time and then even go so far as to wet nurse and all those children gain the benefit of having different breast milks with different microbiomes that improve their health. They also gain the benefit of everyone having different psyches around them and, and further enriching their growth and development as human beings. To the point where I could actually argue that human beings in ancient times or even thousands and thousands of years ago were actually a lot more intelligent than we are because they didn't have the dumbass nuclear family getting in the way of their development. This is why boys could reach full maturity, mental maturity by the time they're 14, 15, 16 years old, instead of waiting till 27, 28 years old right now, literally because of this phenomenon. And besides, if you're having a baby as a woman and knowing that you have multiple adult incomes because of your poly situation, bringing in the money in the home and that, and you don't have to have that responsibility and you have other women potentially under the roof who are also having babies and breastfeeding too. Oh, when they all get to teach you how to be a mother and you get to help them be a mother and this is this nice, awesome sisterhood as a result. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, but it's going to happen. We're already in hyperinflation right now, okay? The housing market is starting to go down right now. Um, uh, there are food shortages, folks. There is massive famine happening across the world. We just had a pestilence horseman with like COVID. Now we're having a famine horseman. War is coming around the corner, like war with Syria, Iran, you know, like that's a thing, you know, pay attention, LOL. And that's going to ultimately lead to death. So guess what? Human beings are going to have to survive because things are going to get really harsh out there because there's not going to be food on shelves anymore. That's coming around the corner. Okay, and guess what? People are still going to want to have sex and they're going to have to organize their families as a result. Therefore, I'm telling you, the nuclear family is basically not going to exist in the next five to 10 years. It practically doesn't exist now, hashtag single parents. It's just the single parents are going to be raising those kids and then those kids are going to be having children and they're not going to want to be single parents themselves because they were raised by single parents, which is what is inevitably making them more open to being in a polyamorous or a polygamist relationship to begin with. If you don't believe me, read Strauss and Howe. It's not hard. 
the fourth turning and understand the four generational archetypes and how there's a hero, parent, child, and inferior function amongst generations. Okay, this is literally how it works, folks. This is how culture is going in the future. If you can't figure this out, how the hell are you going to survive as a family, much less even raise children or your children's children, or even be there for the mature masculine and the mature feminine? You're probably just going to have a lousy life. So I don't care if you disagree with me. I really don't care. I don't care what gender you are and if you disagree with me or not. I don't even care if you agree with me. I'm just telling you the facts. This is reality. This is our future, folks. So you best get ready for it, okay? So anyway, um, that's uh, that. I think that very much answers the question that's being asked from uh, this Acolyte member. So thank you for submitting this question. It was great. I think I'll be going deeper into the next episode, uh, which should be, should all women uh, submit to all men? Uh, the next episode, that'll be an interesting controversial episode. Um, but hopefully uh, you all are able to uh, learn from that and gain some awesome insight from that. So um, anywho, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you guys tonight.